Hello and welcome to the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is produced by a group of volunteers at the St Augustine's Centre in Halifax, Yorkshire, a charity where we support in particular refugees and asylum seekers. This podcast is intended for those people who want to improve their English by listening to natural conversations between native English speakers. We have tried to cover a range of subjects and in this season we have been interviewing a number of people with interesting jobs and experiences. Today's episode is brought to you by Elsa who has interviewed two people involved in co-ops, that is cooperatives. This appeared in a previous episode and we said we would do more about it. So that's what we're doing today. And Elsa is interviewing two people involved in cooperatives which deal with whole foods. Whole foods are foods that have been processed or refined as little as possible and are free from additives or other artificial substances. As usual, we will produce a transcript for this episode which will be available on our website in a few days time. In this you will find some additional footnotes to help you with some of the more technical language. So over to Elsa. podcast we're exploring the cooperative movement in the UK which is part of a vast worldwide movement of around three million cooperatives normally known as co-ops with about 1.2 billion members. Cooperative UK, a network that supports the thousands of co-ops here in the UK, describes a co-op as a business or organisation that is owned and controlled by its members to meet their shared needs. The members can be its customers, employees or workers, a local community or suppliers, all of whom have a say in how the co-op is run. Co-ops normally offer education and training to everyone involved so they can develop and promote the benefits of cooperation. Co-op supports the communities it works with. Co-ops have a long history and the modern day co-op in the UK was founded in Rochdale, Lancashire, one of the neighbouring counties of Calderdale, in 1844 by a group known as the Rochdale Pioneers, or to give them their official name, the Rochdale Society of Equitable Pioneers. The aim of the Rochdale Pioneers was to provide an affordable alternative to the poor quality and adulterated food and provisions that were available to most ordinary people at that time, using any surplus or profit to benefit the community. In legal terms, food adulteration is the act of intentionally reducing the quality of food offered for sale either by the addition or substitution of inferior substances 
or the removal of some valuable ingredient. Today, there are strict rules in place for the supply of food in the UK. But back in 1844, this was a huge step forward towards the provision of healthy food for ordinary people. The Industrial Revolution in the 18th and 19th centuries dramatically changed the lives of many people whose livelihood had been based on agriculture and who, by 1844, were living and working in towns and cities, usually in very poor conditions. By 1860, there were already more than 200 co-ops in the northwest of England. Today, there are more than 7,000 co-ops in the UK, with over 14 million members. The largest co-op, known as the Cooperative Group, is one of the world's largest consumer cooperatives, owned by millions of members. They are the UK's fifth biggest food retailer, with more than 2,500 local convenience medium-sized stores or shops. In this podcast, you'll be hearing from two different types of consumer co-ops based in Calderdale in West Yorkshire in the north of England. Well, today I'm visiting Suma Whole Foods at their warehouse in Elland, which is a small town in Calderdale, and I'm talking with Bo Bullman. So, hello, Bo. Hello, Elsa. Pleased to meet you. So, this podcast is exploring the cooperative movement in the UK, particularly consumer co-ops. So, it'd be good if you could start telling our audience about yourself and about your co-op, Suma. Sure. So, um, Suma Whole Foods is a workers' co-op that was founded in 1977. So for for the UK listeners, we're as old as punk rock. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think it was, was it the Queen's Silver Jubilee that year? Well, could well be. Something like that. There there was a jubilee of some sort, I think, I think that year or thereabouts. So um, that's kind of how old, how old we are. We're we're one of the oldest uh, co-ops in the UK. Um, We were started by six people basically delivering sacks of, of lentils, porridge oats, whole foods uh, in a van around the Leeds area. Goodness, um, how that's changed. Because when I look outside now, I can <laughs> see a huge fleet of vehicles and warehouses. Absolutely. We've got um, a good fleet. I can't remember exactly how many wagons we've got, but we've got quite a few wagons, um, including some biogas uh, wagons, which is which is a new thing for us. Which as one would expect from Suma. <laughs> yeah, so we're trying to, to lead the way with things like that. Um, obviously, with recent uh, fuel increases, running, running the fleet is, is very expensive, so that is causing some problems. Um, but yeah, we've got a fantastic fleet of drivers. That's a big part of what we do, distribution. Um, a, bit like, a bit like those original six people. But of course, we have to buy the stock in, um, we have to sell the stuff, so we have to liaise with the customers, take orders, all that sort of thing. Uh, and we have to pick the customers' orders in our warehouse, which is a huge part of what we do. Um, that's the kind of bit I'm responsible for. I, I recruit and review our, our work, workers in the warehouse, basically, um, and support them. Um, we've got, I think, over 300 people working with us, certainly. Um, number fluctuates a bit, as these things do, but yeah, um, over 300 people working with us over 200 of which are members um, 
and the members own the co-op. So we're not owned by, you know, one fat cat, one rich boss, puffing, puffing cigars and quaffing champagne at the expense of the workers who are all on minimum wage. We all get paid exactly the same at SUMA. Um, that absolutely fascinates me. And it absolutely works for everyone, does it? Yeah. Um, so there's no arguments about who's getting paid more or, oh, how come I'm not on as much as them or anything like that? Because there's no difference. So whether you've been here for five minutes or five years, or in some cases quite a lot longer, you're going to be getting paid the exact same hourly rate. And every job is valued equally then. Exactly right. So whether you're um, driving the wagons, picking the orders in the warehouse, whether you're in our management accounts team, our personnel team, our sales team, no matter what you're doing, you're getting paid the same hourly rate. So some people will be working um, maybe three days a week, some people will be working five days a week, so they'll obviously get less, less and more pay, but for an hour's work, everyone's paid the same, which I think is fantastic. I'm very, very proud of that. So tell me how you ended up here at Zuma. How did I, how did I come to Zuma? So um, I'd been involved in some other co-ops, much, much smaller, uh, much less well-known co-ops than Zuma, um, and I did my shopping at one of them which is a single step Whole Foods. It's a Whole Foods shop in Lancaster where I used to live. Um, and I applied for a job at single step Whole Foods and didn't get it, sadly. Um, but I think at the time they mentioned to me, to me Suma was one of their suppliers. Um, and because, because Suma um, and, and single step have both been in the game a long time, they're one of our um, major customers. They're a small Whole Foods shop. So we deliver to them at Suma. So I thought, well, why not? And I applied for Suma, and uh, I think it took me three goes, and I got in in the end sort of thing. I, I, I really tried it. It's, it's quite a tough process, because actually a lot of people want to work here. Yeah. So it is quite competitive, because it's such a good job. Um, and because you're not just, it's not just a job. It's, it's co-ownership of a co-op. Um, instead of having no bosses, in a way we're all bosses, you know, um, there isn't anyone cracking the whip or, as I say, quaffing champagne with a big fancy car or whatever. Um, we, we share the profits of our, of our good work. So a lot of people want in on that, and so a lot of people apply. So it was really hard for me to get in. I got in. Um, it was kind of my first proper job, really. I've, I've been a gardener. Um, I've been a stay-at-home dad, um, bringing up my daughter for quite a while. Um, I've done lots of other kind of small bitty jobs and I've done a couple of degrees. Um, I've been involved in environmental activism as well. Um, but yeah, so, so Suma was my first kind of proper job and I haven't wanted to leave and I can't envision leaving actually because it's such a wonderful place to work and so unique. You know, there's not a lot of places like it, I'd say. No, I can appreciate that. <laughs> so what sort of products do you sell? Ah, um, well, I've, I've given you uh, a couple of things to try. Um, what, what's that? There's some vegan, vegan crisps and some uh, dairy-free uh, vegan uh, eggs as well <laughs> that we haven't sold from Easter, I think, there. Um, that's a very small sample, and that's probably the naughtier end of our products. You know, there's like the unhealthier side. But a big part of what we sell is, is whole foods, and it's big quantities. So we sell a lot of sacks, um, 25 kilo sacks, you know, the big ones. Um, we sell lots of uh, tins and things like oils, vinegars, cooking, cooking materials really. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of what we call whole foods, so something that's, that's just the thing, you know, no additives, no nothing else. So maybe sacks of, of black beans or, um, you know, we sell 
speckled lentils, for example, or that, that kind of thing. We do bag down stuff, so in much smaller quantities, like what a shop would buy. So like six, a box with six sort of smaller bags in it. Um, so lots of different quantities, different sizes, depending on the size of the customer. Um, primarily though, whole foods, so organic produce, um, vegan and vegetarian produce. We're a vegetarian wholesaler, so absolutely everything we sell is vegetarian. A large amount of it is also vegan, which is great. And we sell a lot of like gluten-free products um, and things like that. Healthy, health foods, that kind of thing. Ethical well. foods. You sell a lot of fair trade products as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, loads of fair trade stuff, loads of organic stuff. So uh, we, we tick a lot of boxes. And, and in our catalogue, each, each product, it kind of, it lists which of those boxes it ticks. So it might be, uh, um, say, fair trade, organic, um, vegan, you know, and you, you, can, you can then see in our catalogue which, which it is. So obviously that's really useful for our customers. So do you sell across the whole of the UK or just in Yorkshire? Well, no, absolutely. Um, so Suma was set up in Yorkshire in, in, in 1977, and at the time it was definitely regional. It was those, those few people with a, with a small van kind of going around the local area. From that, 40-plus um, years later, we are international, in fact, although Brexit hasn't helped matters much, I'm, I'm sad to say, in the international markets. We're definitely national. We, we sell all around the UK, including sort of the, the north of Scotland and, uh, and, and both, both parts of Ireland. Um, yeah, so definitely do... Uh, do so all all about the place. As I say, export slightly hampered by our, um, but but by Brexit, unfortunately. Yes, that's a sad development for anybody is, involved in food exporting. Yeah, it really, really is very hard um, to get stuff in and out. Actually, so even even bringing stuff in has has been more difficult for us, which obviously can drive prices up. Can mean that some of our stuff isn't available or not as available. So yeah, that is causing a bit of a problem for us at the moment. Not brilliant. At this time, as we're recording this, the world is experiencing many challenges in the supply of food mm. caused by the effects of climate change and now the war in Ukraine. Yeah. Food prices are increasing dramatically, especially for people on a low income. Yeah, How is that impacting on your business? Um, I mean, it, it, it does obviously affect sales. Um, people are buying less currently. Um, that isn't unique to Suma. They're buying less everywhere. Um, I imagine you're buying less. I certainly am, sadly. Um, I'm having to, to, to get less stuff because I'm, I'm paying more for what I am getting. And we um, do think about what we're spending. Absolutely. There's so much increasing in price. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult. So as a consumer, and of course bear in mind that most of our customers are, are retailers rather than the end, end consumer. Um, as a consumer, yeah, you're going to be thinking about is something ethical? Is it ethically sourced? Is it maybe fair trade or organic? Is it healthy? But you're also going to be thinking, well, is it cheap? Because actually, budgets are, budgets are tight at the moment. I think what's frustrating now is, of course, that some very large corporations are still making a lot of money. So like the energy companies still posting big profits, um, while the, the working people and, and the, the people who are a bit more harder up are, are struggling. So I do think that's a shame. It's a sad, sorry to interrupt you, but no, it, it picks up what I'm going to say now. It's a sad reflection of the inequality of our society in mm. the UK that in 2022, food property is becoming a growing problem for many, many people. 
how are you addressing this as an organization organization that prides itself on its social and ethical outlook yeah so i mean i'd say there's 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 two parts to that so one is actually that although it might not seem like it because because whole foods um your pulses uh big bags of rice and stuff they might not be that cheap when you're buying them um if you are savvy, you can get quite a lot of meals out of those things. You say savvy for our not uh-huh. <laughs> English speaking audience. Can you explain what savvy would mean in the yeah, context of savvy. buying food? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess sort of uh, if you, how how would I describe it? If you're quite maybe organised or you you plan in advance. If you're someone that likes to to find a good deal or to be to be. Um, yeah, if you if you sort of plan out what you're going to eat and and how you're going to do it, um, yeah, basically it's about kind of if you, if you if you're buying in bulk, if you've got the luxury, and I do totally understand that that people on lower income sometimes don't have the luxury to buy in bulk, but if you are able to get um, bigger quantities of some things, obviously you can make those things then go quite a long way. So for example, with um, you know a big bag of lentils and just some just some onions and a few spices. A bit of rice, you can make a lovely dal, um, really healthy, no sort of additives, not loads of fat or anything like that, totally vegan and uh, good for you, good for the planet and even good for your pocket actually. Um, but I totally understand that, that that presupposes that you know how to how to cook it um, and that you've got the money in the first place to buy the bulk. Um, but, I mean... Talking from my own experience here as a student, and I, I mean, I was I was on benefits unfortunately for quite a while before I came to Suma. I was struggling to find work. I, I I was pretty poor, pretty hard up, and I used to go to that whole food shop, single step that I talked about before. It was one of our one of our great customers, um, and I used to just buy bags of lentils. In fact, it was loose lentils. You go to a hopper, um, you fill up your bag, you get, take your lentils home, and. You know, not going to lie, I did get a bit bored of eating dal sort of five nights in a row and stuff like that, but um, it got me through um, some of those times when, when I had a lot less money. Um, but the other thing that I was going to say about that is that we try our best to make sure nothing goes in the bin here. So if something's short-dated, if something's coming to, to the end of, its, uh, end, end of its life and we actually can't sell it anymore, we will try our best to ensure that that gets donated Um to people who need it more. Basically. So perhaps explain to some people that don't understand about what we call shelf life mm, dates okay, on yeah. packaging. Most packaged food does have a date on it. Absolutely. So a lot of our products being uh, dried whole foods, things like your, your lentils and your rice and stuff like that, they probably have... Um, uh, they, 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 there's a long time before they're going to go off, before they're going to go go bad um, or not be edible. But obviously, fresh, fresher stuff... Say, um, say some of our chilled products, obviously they, they do um, spoil quite quickly. Uh, and, and, and certain ambient products, you know, something like eggs maybe, you know, after, after three weeks you probably couldn't eat an egg. Um, so before it gets to that point, before it gets to the point where it's actually bad, we will um, get that product to maybe a food bank um, or some of the other organisations I can tell you a little bit about if you're interested. Um, but we really try, we try our best, basically, to get our food to someone who's going to use it for nothing, give it away, basically. Um, and, and we don't want to see anything go in the bin, you know. This 
podcast is being created by St. Augustine's Refugee Centre in Halifax, called the St. Augustine Centre. Mm. I think you do provide food for our kitchen. Ah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that myself, actually, not on the list. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I've got quite a list of places we do give to. There's a there's a hospice. Um, we 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 um, donate food to them. We donate food to our local food bank as well in uh, in Elland, but also one in in the Home Valley. Um, we give we give to a place called Focus for Hope. Um, we, we we give quite a lot to something called Surplus to Purpose. They used to be called the Real Junk Food Project. Um, they're now called Surplus to Purpose. And again, like like food banks, they redistribute the food to the people who need it most and the families that are struggling yeah there's some great organizations in this area there's loads and i mean you know i don't want to put a downer on things but uh it's just such a bloody shame that there need to be this many of these organizations mm. i think in in the 21st century in a developed economy a very wealthy country i think it's absolutely obscene actually that that there are so many people that are forced to rely on, on, on food banks. I think it's a real shame. And of course, Suma's doing, doing whatever we can. Yeah. Um, but the wealth inequality, like you touched on before, it's, um, it's devastating. You know, you've got multi-millionaires, you've got enormous companies posting brilliant profits for the shareholders. Some people are rich and, and, and doing very well, and other people have got next to nothing and they're, they're having to go to, to, to food banks. So while I'm really glad that we're able to support those food banks, I'm also sad that they exist in the first place, frankly. Yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> feel like that. But, but it's great that you're doing it. Well, it's, it's, it's what we can. You know, We should all do what we can, whether, whether as, as companies or, or as individuals, I think. And, uh, you know, I also think that it's important that we don't just support... Um, and, and p- p- people from England, we should support people from other parts of the world where we can as well. One of the, one of the um, places that we donate to is, is PAFRAS, Positive Action for Refugees and Asylum Seekers. I'm really, really proud that we're able to give to people who, who have come from other parts of the world, often from you know, countries where things are really hard and they've, they've maybe fled to England. Um, I'm proud, first of all, that, that, that they're able to find a, a place and a home in England. And I'm proud, secondly, that, that Suma is able to do a, a tiny bit to, to give to those people. Well, St Augustine's, this is exactly the work we do. I think Calderdale and the people of Calderdale make a fantastic contribution to making people feel welcome and at home. And you know, on that note, I'd like to thank you for spending the time now talking about this very unusual organisation. Well, it's, it's different. Um, but it's, it's good different. Um, you know, not having those shareholders means that if we do well, we, we do well together. So you'd get a bonus, for example? We, we, we could get a bonus if, if things are going really well. We would, we would potentially share out the, the profit. But equally, if things aren't going so well, we, we club together and we work together. And it's in all of our interests then to, to pull together and turn things around. You know, and uh, that community spirit, that team spirit, I think that's what cooperatives were originally founded on, actually. The Rochdale Pioneers back in, in the 1800s. Uh, founded the whole movement on those same principles of solidarity, of, uh, of comradeship, of, of people looking out for each other, of workers working together to better their own positions, not to make fat cats richer, not to make shareholders wealthier, but, but just to, to make a good wage for themselves. And that's what we're still doing, you know, 150 years later or more. Um, and I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of Suma and I'm proud to work with That's great. Thank you so much, Bo. Okay, great.
earlier we met with Suma Whole Foods who explained about their cooperative and how they operate and now I'm delighted to be talking to Chris Greaves who is a member of a much smaller cooperative in the market town of Hebden Bridge in Calderdale. So hello Chris. Hello Ella. So tell me Chris, tell us about your co-op. Okay, I work um, with Valley Organics, which is a workers' cooperative in the middle of Hebden Bridge. We're a retail outlet. We sell whole field foods, um, fresh fruit and veg, and we pack our own veg boxes and distribute them around the valley. Um, and we employ about 20 people, um, mostly, um, well, across the operation, really. Some in the shop, some packing veg boxes, some driving. Um, it's and behind the scenes as well. That's great. Suma are explaining in their co-op, everybody has the same wage. Is that how it works with you as well? Yeah, we're all on the same wage. Um, we aspire to pay the, um, the real living wage, but unfortunately we're currently struggling to pay the actual minimum wage. Um, but hopefully, um, if we can uh, continue doing well, we'll be able to increase the pay for everyone. That, that sounds good. It's difficult times. Food prices are increasing, fuel prices must be impacting on everything you do. We're seeing prices go up every week. We see about ten, 5 or 10% of our products, um, they go up 10 to 15%. Big leaps, we don't normally see that. It's normally small steps, but they're taking big steps in the prices and it, soon it'll be across the range. And how are you? How is that impacting on your customers? Are they buying less or buying cheaper? So far, it's been okay, but we do think people will start ramping back as the crisis deepens and the prices continue to go up. Uh, we do worry about that. We support um, a lot of local vegetable growers as well. So we, we, um, we give a price preference to local growers and so that we can stock their fruit and veg in our shop and they're, they're very much on the breadline because they're working below minimum wage to provide local veg. Can you just explain to our listeners what minimum wage is, please? Minimum wage is £9.50 an hour for an adult. And that's set by the government? Set by the government, yes. yes. And then there's a thing called the, um, the real living wage, which is um, set by a, I don't know, an association or a group, and they currently say that that should be £9.90 an hour, which is what we would love to pay. So, so when you stock a product in your shop, what criteria do you use to decide whether it's right for your co-op? We are looking for products that are ideally organic, ethical and local. Obviously we can't always meet all those criteria, so where possible we get local veg or other products. Where possible, we get organic. We never compromise on ethical. If it's not organic or local, it definitely has to be as ethical as it can be. How would you define ethical? Well, that's a very difficult question. We've had many arguments about that in the co-op. For example, um, three years ago, before I joined, the co-op actually got rid of all meat, um, uh, except for some wild caught fish. Um, and obviously it's the choice of the people in the co-op at the time. We're a collective, we make decisions collectively and we decide on that collectively. So how do people join? 
your co-op? Um, get a job with us. If you get a job with us um, and you work more than, if you end up working more than 16 hours a week, you can become a member. Right. So what does this mean to you personally, working for such a, an interesting organisation? Well, I've always wanted to work for an ethical organisation and so for me it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I think co-ops are hopefully going to take over the world one day. Yes, that's something um, that I would like to see happen. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there, but slowly, I think, aren't we? I hope so. I think they really... The good thing about co-ops is they empower people. And at the end of the day, it's the people, the people, the people that really matter. And hopefully we will get to a point where we can overcome all the vested interests in the world that make life difficult for people. Because yeah, Heaviton Bridge has always had a tradition of cooperation and cooperative even in its textile mills as well as retail co-ops which most of us are familiar with. So we're standing here by the river in Hebden Bridge. Our listeners can hopefully hear the lovely river calder flowing through and you know it's, it's a great place to work and to live isn't it? Oh it's gorgeous and um, it's, it's, got, it's got a wonderful heritage and it's got a very live culture of basically people wanting to be free and um, creative, I would say. Which, which is always a good place to be, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it is. So, no, that, this has been great, Chris, really giving an insight into a different side of the cooperative movement. I appreciate you spending time on what I'm sure is a very busy morning for you as you start your working day. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it too. Language support. This is the part of the podcast where I choose some words or phrases from the episode and talk about them. A short one this week. I'm just going to choose one particular sentence which Bo used when Elsa was interviewing him about Suma Whole Foods. And he was contrasting their cooperative organisation where everybody has a share in owning the, the company and also all get paid the same amount. And he said, we're not owned by one fat cat puffing cigars and quaffing champagne. Later in the episode, he again referred back to fat cats. So this idea actually was first used in America in the 1920s to describe those very rich and privileged people who were making a lot of money out of a, out of a uh, company whilst their workers were being paid uh, small amounts, very small amounts of money. And so Bo was making the contrast between the cooperative principle and values where people are treated equally and the idea of fat cats. And literally, it comes from the idea of a cat that has become grossly overweight by eating far too much, by indulging themselves. And to quaff champagne is simply means 
drinking champagne, but it gives the idea of drinking it to excess um, and doing it for the sake of uh, the image of drinking champagne. Uh, we'll find an image for you in the, uh, uh, in the transcript of, the, of a cartoon that was quite commonly used about the idea of a fat cat. Okay, I hope that's helpful. Just a short one today. Uh, that's it for this episode. Um, we are in the summer period. Some of us are um, taking holidays at the moment, so there's a bit more of a gap between episodes, but we will be back again fairly soon. Meanwhile, if you want to find out more about our work and also to get hold of the transcript for this and all our other episodes, then do go to our website www.saintaugustinecentrehalifax.org.uk And in that address, the saint is abbreviated to ST. Thanks very much for listening. Take care of yourselves.